Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's the start of yet another glorious summer week. Katie Perrier is here to guide us through a cornucopia of big stories, luscious observations and dangerous liaisons. First up, we're talking power. Not the kind that lurks inside Downing Street, but the kind you use to plug in the dishwasher uh, and turn on the lights. In the next couple of weeks, more than half a million people will find themselves up to £250 worse off thanks to their energy deals coming to an end. It's a racket and we're going to try and put a stop to it. 0344 Coming up a little bit later on in the show. We'll be speaking to Lucy Brown, a former acolyte of Tommy Robinson's, who will be telling us that his entire charade isn't about saving the country's children from Islamic grooming gangs at all, but instead it's all about the money and how much of it he can extract from his ignorant fans who are willing to stump up cash for almost any cause that he puts in front of them. 0344 499 1000. And as if all that isn't enough, we'll be finding out why beer is so expensive in our pubs, what the government is doing to ban the eating of dogs, and why llamas make very good burglar alarms. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Katie Perrier on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Lucy Brown coming up in the next hour telling us about what it's like working for Tommy Robinson, uh, who she's no longer working with, uh, and she's got a bit of a disagreement about uh, as well. 0344-499-1000. That song, by the way, uh, by Sham69, we're going down the pub. I wonder what uh, price the old pints of beer were in those days. This is probably about 19, late 1970s, that song. So it's probably about pound fifty a pint or something. It's now, apparently, I'm told, and I'm not sure this is true, there's over a fiver. In, in a lot of pubs London. in London, yeah. Yeah, £5.20. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the last time I bought a couple of pints, which was probably last week, um, it was like maybe less than a tenner for two, you know, like four fifty or something like that. With respect, yeah. I'm not sure you pay absolute attention to the price of your drink. I don't really, no, you're right. No. Even less now that I, I just put it on a contactless kind of, yeah, exactly. card. I've, I've, no you, I've seen you at the bar, you just go, wave the card like a magic <laughs> wand and it, the, the drinks are delivered. Well, because do you know why? Because I never have cash. I mean, I have actually like took some cash out the other day, but you don't really need it anymore. And now, this morning, I came into work and I forgot to take the cash out of the shorts I was wearing yesterday to put it into the, the pocket oh, that I've got. So you're cashless again. So I've got, I've got no money. No wonder I bought you a cappuccino. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I've got absolutely no money. And I pay for that on my phone. Oh, Ooh, 
Look that's at what you. we do now. You know? Let's talk to uh, Tom Stanier, who's the Chief Communications Officer at Camera, who almost gave me a job, you know, many years ago. I almost became the editor of the Camera magazine. I wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have had any prof- profits left. They wouldn't have had, no. Uh, Tom, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Tom. Good morning. How are you both doing? Yeah, very well. Now, is that right that the pint of beer in London costs about five quid now? I, I think certainly people don't uh, look so shocked if they charge five pounds for a pint these days. Yeah. And, and the survey it's a lot of money, we've isn't just, it? yeah, and the survey we've just uh, released has shown that. You know, 56% of people are now saying actually the price of a, a pint in a pub is unaffordable. And, and that's really worrying because the pub's such a great place to go and meet people, to socialise, to enjoy some really good beer. And um, if if the prices are driving people out of the pubs and into their homes to drink on their own in an unregulated environment, yeah. that can't be good for anyone. Well, I mean, the trouble is an awful lot of pubs are closing down, aren't they? I mean, a lot of them closed down when the smoking ban first kicked in. And now a lot of them are closing down because of the, the business rates that are going up all over the place. Yeah, and absolutely. There's so many facts affecting pubs at the moment. And yeah, we're seeing 18 a week closing for good, um, which is a really worrying statistic. Mm. Um, and, and the thing to remember is this is not the fault of licensees or brewers. You know, they're not profiteering. They're not ripping us off. What they're facing is high business rates, as you've mentioned. They're facing high duty rates from the government. Um, you know, if they're a tented pub and they're, they're uh, renting their pub from a, a property-owning pub company, they're being forced to pay high prices from there too. So there, there are other people who could do something about this, and that's what we're calling on them to do. So what is it you would like them to do specifically? Because I see pubs closing and micro-pubs opening. They don't have any of those problems, as you say, with landlords. They don't have huge some of the kind of business rates because they're smaller. You know, So maybe it's a business model that's changing, but we need to protect as many pubs as possible. What needs to happen? Well, you know, the government need to recognise how valuable pubs are, and, and it's not just that you know they're good for us drinkers they bring in money to the economy to the treasury but they also importantly bring in employment and money to local communities so they're not taking money out and, and it's going off seas into you know big multinational corporations these are local employers they're bringing people together they're giving a community service so it's really important the government give them a level playing field in which to survive and you're absolutely right the micropubs are doing well at the moment but you know we all want a wide range of pubs you know if you want to go out for a big family meal a micropub's maybe not going to be the place to go if you want a nice pint and some uh, a good chat then yeah micropubs are great but wouldn't it be a shame if we're limited in the choice of different pubs we can enjoy and we're limited in the, in the types of beers we can enjoy i mean in terms of the price of a, a pint of beer i'm told that about a third of the price is made up of taxes um is there any kind of campaign you're running to try and reduce the amount of tax yeah well the rumor we're hearing is the government's looking to put the price up on on beer tax again by maybe two pence and, and we think that would be disastrous not only for the pub sector but also for the money that the treasury is bringing in because you know the the brewing industry raises tens of billions a year for the government um, they employ you know many many millions of people local pubs um, are generating jobs are generating uh, money if you're going down the pub and spending money in the pub you're, you're putting money into the economy you're not going to buy it from a supermarket and, and who knows where that profit ends up so you know the treasury needs to be sensible on this there's been lots of reports showing the benefits of actually reducing beer tax you get more sales you get more money coming in you know it's win-win for everyone really no, absolutely right. And I mean, there are, as, as Katie says, a lot more sort of craft beer type pubs growing up and certainly in, in London. What's it like in, in the rest of the country? Well, I think it's spreading. And I live in Northampton and increasingly you're seeing that word on the outside of pubs in Northampton. So, yeah, I'm not doing Northampton down at all. But when you're seeing craft beer bars and, and craft, <laughs> craft bottle shops spring up, you know, in a, a town like Northampton, I think it shows that that bubble has moved outside London. Mm. It's really caught on. And I think it's just been a really creative, imaginative way to bring a whole new generation generation of drinkers into beer um you know and whether you call it craft or real ale it is still just good beer being brewed by brilliant independent brewers mm. across the country being served by licensees who love their beer and love offering a, a great pint
And Relail had a, an image for a while. I mean, I'm talking about quite a long time ago when I was much younger and I was starting out my career in journalism. And I, career I, in drinking. I, career in drinking as well. Um, and I was invited up to St Albans, I think it was, where uh, the camera was in those days. And it was very much Relail drinkers were kind of seen as, you know, kind of uh, cardigan-wearing bearded blokes with slippers on, you know? <laughs> they're all in Shoreditch now, though. Yeah, now this they're all in Shoreditch. And the, cool beers, the, beers are, so beards are big, the beards are bigger. Isn't it weird how it's gone full circle? Yeah, yeah craft beer drinkers look an awful lot like maybe the stereotype of camera drinkers back in the 70s. <laughs> and, and we're still based in St Albans, so you know, if there you, you go. Pop, want to pop up again and, and have a pint, you're more than welcome. Don't I, tempt I, I haven't been up to St Albans for a long time. I may well do that, but listen, um, uh, very, very good. Anywhere people can read more about this campaign of yours? Uh, yeah, I, I look on the, the camera website, but also we've we've got good pickup in the press this morning, so you're... you're your favourite paper, no doubt. Hopefully, we'll be co- uh, covering something on it. And and just to get a sneaky plug in, we're at, we're at Olympia in Kensington all this week at the Great British Beer Festival. Ooh. Come down. Um, there's going to be hundreds of beers on offer. Great atmosphere. Loads of people enjoying some of the best that British brewers have to offer. Sounds good to me, Tom. Thanks very much indeed, Tom Stanier, uh, Chief Communications Officer at Camera. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now it's time to say good morning to Lucy Brown. Lucy, very good morning to you. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Thanks very much indeed for joining us, Lucy. Now, I can describe you, I suppose, uh, as a slightly reluctant witness here because I know that you were not sure about whether you wanted to come on to talk radio to talk about Tommy Robinson and you weren't sure last night whether uh, you wanted to say certain things. But but tell us what you want to say about Tommy Robinson and, and, and whether the stuff that we read about in the Sunday Times um, is, in fact, uh, the truth. Uh, yeah, no, I just feel a bit annoyed, Mike, like I told you last night, because I said I'd be happy to have a chat with you on the radio, and then you put up a rather salacious tweet to insinuate I'm going to be giving you a tell-all, blowing apart the fraud, the con, the cash cow that is Tommy Robinson. Yes. And I've, I've said my piece, I had a moan, my first and only moan, and I took no money from it, and I'm not really interested in divulging too much to you today. 
No, that's fine. I'm not asking you to divulge too much. But what I am asking you to do is to give us a, a, a peek inside the, you know, the organisation that Tommy Robinson is at the head of, because obviously nobody really, apart from you, um, has ever said anything about it. Tommy Robinson is not all right. What is he? Is he? I would say he's the leader of a populist movement. And would you say, say would you say he's, he's far right? No, I wouldn't say far right. I wouldn't say he's supporters of far right. Lots of them aren't even right wing. Lots of them are liberal. Lots I think of... it's a horrible lie that he's far right or that his supporters are. You get a couple of bad eggs that throw a couple of things. That happens in most political groups. In fact, the far left are a lot worse, to be quite honest with you. Antifa, the anti-fascists, they're the people that do tend to be a lot more violent. I would say that Tommy supporters are more of a reaction to being let down by the government, by the media feeling unsafe in their own communities, having a lot of things changing and not being able to speak out about them. And Tommy has become a figurehead for that. And he speaks, like him or loathe them, he speaks on behalf of them. So I don't really want to run his name through the mud. You know, I had a bit of a moan. I'm kind of, you know, willing to leave it at that. Um, but it's not about him in a way. It's about the people who he represents. And there's a heck of a lot of them. And they feel left behind. And they are constantly smeared and called far right. And it's completely... Uh, trying to think of a word that's not a swear word, but it's not true, basically. Lucy, I read read the piece by Andrew Gilligan in the Sunday Times and I did find it fascinating and I felt that there there were some pieces within this about... You know, I recognise within political parties and groups, political groups across the country in terms of that kind of warring in a circle, people that think you should go one way and another. Can you explain to us what kind of reaction you've had from people that follow and support Tommy Robinson since that piece appeared yesterday? Um, There's some stuff going on which is between me and those people that I'm not really interested in talking about, to be honest. Um, it's fair to say it's not been pleasant. There's quite a lot of anger about what you what you said to the Sunday Times. There's a lot of anger, Mike, and that tweet didn't really help, to be quite honest with you. Um, you said I was allowed to have a go at you about it on the air, and you I can. am going to have a go about You're, it. Absolutely, you were allowed to have a go. Uh, you can say whatever you want on the air, as long as it's legal and we don't get sued. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, I'm in the, in the news business, I'm in the radio business, and when I promote a show that I'm doing... I use language which is is promoting the show, and that's what it was. It was not intended to somehow, you know, create a false image. Okay, the big scoop, Mike's big scoop. Yeah, well, it is quite a big scoop to talk to you because I've never spoken to anyone who's been as close to Tommy Robinson as you have, and you do say some fascinating things, like, for example, how his uh, his his business is more about making money than it is about anything else, and that, in fact, um, you know, it, it is quite a big business that he's running now, and he doesn't spend as much time on the kind of nitty-gritty of the politics and the policy as he does uh, just sort of counting the money? I'd say that's not strictly true. There's a lot of money that does come in because there's a lot of people that want to support him and they feel so let down by the media that they trust someone who, who yeah, doesn't have journalistic credentials, you know, who doesn't um, necessarily follow the, the rule book. But at the end of the day, they feel like he's speaking for them and he's not fibbing. They feel like the media fibs to them. I mean... You know, yeah, but we stuff. but we know in we in the media know that that, that that there's an awful lot of fibbing going on from from the Tommy Robinson side. You you yourself describe it as panto journalism. Yeah, I'd say that's not specifically a Tommy issue though. I'd say that because of this new YouTube era of people going out into the streets and being citizen journalists, there is a bit of panto journalism on all sides. You know, yeah. there's also comic journalism where people do sort of parody shows where they go in and try and troll people. You know, it's a kind of it's a it's a new wave right. of uh, online content that's coming out. And, like, on the one hand, it's entertainment, but on the other hand, you know, 
you need to kind of draw the line and decide where you want to be factually correct and where you want to get YouTube clicks. So I think that's something that does need to evolve, but that's not specifically a Tommy issue, if you see what I mean. Absolutely. Um, I'm really interested within a piece about the money that's coming in from abroad and also uh, here. Two questions really from me. One one thing is, is that, you know, who... Were you surprised at who was funding Tommy Robinson and how much would you say balances from you know, small donations to large ones? And also, is he spending the money correctly in, in your eyes, just in terms of the things to progress his cause and what his supporters want? Um, I mean, he's paying for a team of people to travel the country and cover stories. And of course, you know, lots of people believe in him and want to help him out. So... I can't really say too much because I wasn't even really that involved with the money side of things. I know that he probably does have big donors, but again, I'm not really mm. the person that knows about it. So. And, what, and what is it that you fell out with him about, exactly? Just something personal, that, you know, something private that I'd rather not talk about okay. on the air. You know. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Lots of uh, what Tommy Robinson says is is a blatant untruth, right? And he comes at the comes at the media uh, and accuses the media of not telling the truth and not being honest and hiding things from people. I mean, for example, the whole contempt of court issue uh, that he got arrested for and got jailed for. You know, he was outside at court, having been told that he couldn't do that, he shouldn't do that again, uh, and yet he makes out that the media are somehow complicit in not allowing certain stories to be written. Now, the reason the stories are not written at the time is because the subject is is going on going on inside a courtroom now he knows that i mean do you have any knowledge for example of him having a meeting with his team of which you remember uh, and basically saying right this is what we're going to say even though we know it's not true no no i think the contempt of court thing was probably just a mistake on his part to be honest um and i don't think probably the judge didn't like him very much you know lots of people don't <laughs> well, yeah, but you don't get locked up because the judge doesn't like you. You get locked up because you break the law. And I mean, he was given, he was on a suspended sentence, and that's what happened. But, you know, he's he's now doing this thing where he was, um, you know, in prison. He was literally like Papillon or like Nelson Mandela. He was locked up in solitary confinement. You know, outside prison, uh, people uh, like the head of UKIP, Gerard Batten, were saying, Tommy's going to be murdered by Islamic prisoners. You know, it was all rubbish, wasn't it? Um, I don't know how much of it is rubbish because I don't know how the prison system is run in this country, but I know that he just won his appeal, didn't he? So Well, no, he judge... didn't. No, he's been released um, uh, pending... pending bail, an... No, he's been released pending a new hearing. That's another lie because he, he hasn't won his appeal. He's won his freedom, but the appeal the goes on. The trial was rushed, though. Well, we don't know yet because we haven't had the new hearing. So it's not clear. OK. Well, I'm just saying, you know... Like him or hate him, we need to, you know, if, if there's a, an accusation against the, the British prison system, you know, we've got to be impartial. So we've got to hear it. Well, we've got to hear it, but we've got to hear it, the truth as well. You know, I mean, Tommy Robinson claims yeah. that he wasn't fed in prison, which I'm sure is not true. Um, he wanted a television, apparently, such was his, uh, you know, uncomfortableness. That he, well, he was asking for a TV. We know that because somebody's released his, his letter to the prison authorities. You know, all I'm saying is, is that he deals in an awful lot of untruths. And, and having somebody like you who worked for him, you must know that. I just I just don't really want to talk about it, I'll be honest. Can I just can I ask you a yeah, question? You can. Yeah. Um, but I may not want to talk about it. That's fine. Why do you call him alt-right? What do you think is alt-right? What do I think is alt-right? Well, I call him a lot of no. things, actually. I don't. I think that's the first time I've called him alt-right uh, ever. I think I call him alt-right, I suppose, because alt-right has become a catch-all term for all sorts of people who are ranging from 
you know, um, Paul Joseph Watson to um, <laughs> Sargon of Arkad to, you know, all these characters, Count Dankula, you know, some right. of them would also, some of them would say that they're not all right, but it's become a term that people use, I suppose, maybe wrongly, to describe a sort of a, 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 a collection of figures who yeah. are kind of slightly on the outskirts of mainstream politics. Well, I would say that that's actually an untruth because the alt-right hate Paul Joseph Watson. Do they? The alt-right, the alt-right is a very specific, rather small group of people. Well, you who, tell me who the alt-right are then. I'd say the alt-right is, uh, they're largely ethno-nationalists. And they're largely an American uh, Yes, no, I agree with that. Yeah, well, I, Americans are funding yeah. Tommy Robinson. But the Americans are funding Tommy Robinson. That's I mean, what I'm concerned about, the you... funding behind some of this, these things. I think that, you know, if I read into this, and, and you may tell me if I'm completely wrong, Lucy, but the, the, the sympathy that you have and other supporters have with Tommy Robinson, you know, some of the things that they are concerned about uh, yeah. are, are parked with a man that may well do in the future, may well kind of not just misrepresent their views, but take it on himself to create a celebrity culture around this one man that will actually betray the views of those people that are paying for him to, to be there. And that's, that's the interesting thing I'm kind of reading into this. Is that fair or not? Um, kind of. I think, you know, at the end of the day, he's a human being just as I am. He's not perfect. I'm not perfect. We shouldn't have to pick up a camera and go and report on things because we don't trust the media to. That shouldn't be happening. The media should be more impartial and they often call people far right and they often wait until there's trouble, take pictures of Tommy supporters in an unfavourable light and that becomes the story, that there was violence. And often the violence was actually caused by the left wing. So, you know, you've got lots of people now like Tommy who think, well, that's not true. I'm going to go out and, you know, say it as I see it. So, but are you concerned that, that some of the things that he says and some of the allegations that he makes, whether they're valid or not, are likely to cause people um, to hate Muslims? Um, I don't know, really. I don't really meet many people that actually hate Muslims, if you see what I mean. I see people who are worried about um, political Islam, that is, like Sharia law, courts, you know, being in operation in the UK, which they are. Um, yeah, and what's, kind of... what, what damage the Sharia law courts do to anyone who's not a Muslim? I mean, if anything, well, you should be more upset that... if you're a Muslim, really. Well, no, I just think that we should have British law in this country. I don't think we well, should Well, we be... do, though. That's the point. See, that's one of those, you know, fake stories that you guys put out in which, you know, we don't have British law anymore. Of course we do. How do we not have British law? No, I'm saying that we shouldn't have two. We should have one, just British law. We shouldn't have Sharia courts operating. because that, But Sharia not... courts are basically community courts which operate in Muslim communities with the blessing of the judicial system, but they have no bearing, technically speaking, on British law. If you went to a Sharia court to get divorced, for example... Um, you could still go to a British court further after that and have all that annulled if you wanted to. Yeah, but you kind of have marriage fraud going on there where some people end up stuck married under British law, but they're divorced under Sharia law and the husband, you know, goes off and leaves the wife penniless. You know, there are real things that are not told in the mainstream media, which need no, But to all be. of this and stuff is perfectly freely available. I mean, there is nothing being hidden, and that's the point. I mean, you guys tell us that all oh, you can't get access to certain pieces of information because the media are complicit in keeping it from you. That's not true. No, it's not true necessarily, but the media do try and steer people away from certain arguments by claiming that the people who talk about this are racist. Therefore, no, I wouldn't say that's true either. I mean, we're talking to you on the, on, the, on the radio. There's a lot of people on Twitter uh, who have accused us of, of pandering to racism by even having you on. 
I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't. Awesome. I don't think you're a racist, Lucy. And I. And even if you were, it wouldn't stop me from putting you on the radio. Well, maybe you're a bigger man than some, but lots of people I wouldn't. Am. You know, I've lost lots of <laughs> friends true. don't even want to talk to me anymore because of my association with Tommy. You know, you lose a lot when you get called a racist. And and, I th- um, uh, can I make uh, a judgment on this as well, Lucy? I think you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because you've done this kind of conversation with Andrew Gilligan in the Sunday Times yesterday. The you know, far right or whoever they are have gone for you because you're meant to be one of them, and now longer you're no longer one of them, yeah. and you now longer no longer have a home anywhere, and Stateless. you just don't. You're kind of you know you're. I can tell by the interview you're doing today, you're almost scared of where to go next and what opinion. And your answers on a lot of the questions have been, well, I don't know really because you're scared to say what you really think because you're kind of broken out from an organisation and now are you worried about your own safety or are you worried about the the kind of comeback you're getting from people within that organisation? I still I still feel like the the people who support Tommy are lots of them and lots of them are good people so I you know yes part of me feels a bit hurt that things are the way they are but that's not to say that I've just suddenly decided to go back to the left or whatever. No, I can you know, understand it's... that. I can understand that and that almost that these people that you thought were the ones that you agreed with, the fa- the people that you thought you were in kind of, you know, you were working with for some of the things that you want to stand up for, they feel you've turned on them now and you still like them and you still think that they are good people and yet they are part of Tommy's team and you're no longer part of Tommy's team. You know, where next for you? Do you think you, this is it for you now in terms of you don't want to comment on it any further? Or, you know, is this something that, because we are so interested in this, is it that you, something you might say, say more about in the future? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just a tough world to have fallen into. And like, yes, uh, there's a lot of things that have been said about me <clears throat> over the past three months, which... It's uh, you know I'm I'm not sure how to deal with those at the moment, but um, you know I'm I'm confident with myself and how I've acted, and uh, I don't know I still like I say I still care about these issues. I still want to work towards trying to fix what I think is uh, a big divide in our country. And how will you manage to do that now? Will you have to form some kind of other organisation, perhaps? Will you? We've lost her there. Are you still with I us, Lucy? I think she's still there. Are you still there, Lucy? And that we make sure that, you know, people are given a fair hearing. Sorry, um, we, mi- we missed all of that, I'm afraid. Can you just say that again? Sorry. I just, I think that I want to look into kind of being able to help with this support network for victims of grooming gangs. I think that's an important thing to do. Um, I still want to kind of keep an eye on the movement and see where it's headed. And, yeah, I had some comments about it and I'm happy to leave it at that. Okay. 03444991000 is the number to call us on. We've got loads of calls to take. We will take them. We'll be talking about uh, where it is that we should be building these houses, affordable and unaffordable houses, by the way. Uh, Katie seems to think that we should be building them in the countryside. I don't agree. I think we should be building them on brownfield sites in the cities uh, because that's where people need to live to be able to work. Obviously, oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Let's talk to Ryan. Though he's in the New Forest, uh, he wants to talk about Tommy Robinson. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Uh, hi, how you doing? Very Hello. well. Very well. What do you want to say? Um, well, just quickly, if you do with a few more houses, so I could one. Um, hey, you're breaking up a bit, mate. Can you can you go and find a decent signal? Are you there? Uh, we could do with a, we could do with a few more um, houses around here in the Greenbelt. If uh, so, I could buy one. That'd be nice. What down in the New Forest? 
Yeah, yeah, I'd welcome it. Well, what, you want to just pave over the new forest, do you? Oh, no, not all of it, no, obviously. It's nice, that's the whole point. But I don't think everyone should be shoved into a city, but there you go. Yeah, but, but you've got, you got to work somewhere, though, haven't you? Well, yeah, you have, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to work in the city, though. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, well, I mean, maybe um, if we spread out the housing, you would get a bit more integration with the people and you wouldn't get such segregation because it seems like a lot of cities build up mentalities of things. And that's what Tommy Robinson sort of thrives on from Southampton predominantly, that's not really a, a very integrated city. Well, it is now, but, I mean, when we were growing up, we just had a big Sikh um, uh, um, sort of uh, population, Hindu population. Yeah. That was it, really. There was a few um, uh, Muslims but, uh, uh, that I went to school with, but, you know, it's uh, I feel that... Um, is a it lot different now, then? Now. Uh, oh, well, po- possibly, yeah, I think so. I think it, it, it seems a, a lot, uh, like there's a lot more... Um, well, I mean, we've had a big Polish influx. Um, as well, I mean, because I'm not one to separate any sorts of things with religions. If uh-huh. you're going to go for immigrants, you're going to go for immigration. Yeah. Enough, well, that's not Tommy Robinson's view, though, is it? His, his his view is about Muslims, and that's all he cares well, about. Well, no, exactly. I mean, because that man, Tommy Robinson, has pretty much shown my, half of my family up for being sort of uh, ignorant racists, if you like. I mean, in a sense, without really thinking about it, I know none of them would be outwardly racist or horrible to anyone, but yet yeah, they would share his post. Um, they believe that there's some sort of oppression and some sort of fear going on. I mean, the amount of things I see about Sharia law, I mean, our government won't even let you collect its own rainwater, but you're going to think they're going to hand over an area to another sort of people to have their own well, laws yeah, in. Well, yeah, but the I point mean, is, is that all, a lot of this, well, pro, I would call it just propaganda, is stuff that people believe because they want to believe it, but it's not true, you know? Well, I don't know if they want to believe it. I think it suits. It's fear management. I mean, because fear seems to like, drive a lot of things. I mean, if you tell someone that they're under threat, they instantly gang up towards us, uh, whatever they feel is closest to them, without even really thinking about yeah. it sometimes. And I think you get the mentality of that. It's, it's, it's obviously one dangerous. And, you know, I mean, talk about pushing the far left and the far right. I mean, there's literally no one through the middle anymore. Yeah, I think it's very, I think you're right, Ryan. It's a very, very dangerous place that we are now in. When you have relatives of, of yours sharing things on social media, you know, from Britain First and other organisations like that, I have to turn around to people and say, you do realise what these people are, don't you? You do realise what they stand for. Because, and of course, they have no idea because the things that they're sharing are quite palatable. No one else can really argue with them because they're standing up for Brits and British values, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't realise that they are, you know, they are sharing and liking and driving up the you know attention span, uh, the, the, the attention they, they, they're seeking and, and getting from people uh, from here and abroad, and that's the money starts piling in, and then they start getting good funding, and all of a sudden they you know creaming in hundreds of thousands of pounds a year on their campaign, which quite frankly is is you know in, in some regards racist and not very nice towards other community groups that we're trying to integrate with. It's quite scary, isn't it? Well, I mean, I feel, well, it is really scary, and that's the thing is, I mean, you could you could pretty much now pigeonhole people, and someone could go, oh, say something about Tommy Robinson, and you'd assume straight away that that person's against animals, loves austerity, completely supports Theresa May, and is completely against anything else. And you go, well, I got a bit. That might not be the case. No, exactly. Someone that's on the left, they're anti-Trump, and you go, well, you must love animals. You must obviously want immigrants everywhere. You must also, and it's just like there's literally no discourse between, well, there's no real decent intelligent discourse between the middle and I, and I don't know if someone's going to come and take that away one day um, and whisk it away and then, and then they are going to be a, a new party or some sort of stance but at the, so at the moment it seems like there's nothing there and therefore 
you're getting a very dangerous polarisation. I think you're absolutely right. And it's, it's being led by ignorance. It's being led by, by not just a lack of information, but by false information, uh, which is being put out there. The number of people on Twitter who sort of repeat the same things over and over again because of something they've read. And they share images of news stories that are from the Syria. And yeah. they go, this is what's happening in Britain right now. And you see an image, you think, right. that's not what's going on in Britain right now. That image is a complete fake right. image. And or it's taken from a war somewhere. The people who I have the, the, the most dislike for in this whole thing are those who are people like Gerard. Batten from UKIP, a guy who should know better, who does know better, but clearly, clearly cares more about the popularity of his party than he does about the people uh, who he's asking to join it and promote it. And that, to me, is an educated guy uh, absolutely doing his very level best to completely mislead uh, in a quite, a quite a dangerous way a large portion of the population. Well, I feel I, I don't actually um, know really too much um, about him. I sort of stayed away from. Uh... UKIP policies. I mean, I, I liked quite a lot of what Nigel Farage had to say. Not not all of it, but I, I thought there was certain elements to it. But like I say, you couldn't really pick anything out of that at the time because you'd either be a far right or you'd be a you're, you know, you're, oh, so you want everything. No, no, there's not. Why can't we have anyone picking across? This is what I like to say about the Brexit thing. Why did we all of a sudden come out and go, right, this is what we need across the parties, uh, Labour and, you know, Conservative, everyone we need to pick the best people out of it. We're going to get this deal done and we're going to work across. So this is now nothing to do with parties, but we've completely polarised with that. We're polarising with everything. I and think I you find I had that idea those... first, uh, Ryan. I was, I was telling people that we should do that about two months ago. Uh, well, I, I thought I'd come on the show and said it about half a year ago. I don't matter now. You tell him, Ryan. Don't no, let him no, claim no. credit for that. I'm fed up with this man today. The show's only been going half a year, mate. I'll tell you something else that you might not know. is old Anne-Marie Waters, right, who's the woman that runs for Britain and Britain first and all that, right? Uh, uh, she's actually Irish. OK. How about that? Well, so she's an immigrant herself. So she's going to throw herself out of the country. <laughs> Ryan, thanks very much. We've got to run. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.